Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is Miley Dudek, and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 1995, theorizing that one could time travel within their own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. After years of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned until now. Dr. Ben Song risked everything when he used the Quantum Leap Accelerator to travel back in time. Now our team's working to find out why. As he leaps between bodies with no memory of who he is, he still has one hope, that his next leap takes him back to the place and people he calls home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 118, A Decent Proposal. Buy you a drink? No, no thanks, I've already got one. You want me to get out of here? My place is right down the street. That's an interesting offer, but I'm actually meeting someone. Hopefully soon. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Could you stop touching me? Thank you. Yeah. Come on. Okay, don't let, do like let, that. Okay, let go of me. Okay. I said let go of me. <laughs> Stuck up, bitch. Thirty seconds in a woman's body, and you have already been harassed, assaulted, and insulted. Sounds about right. Uh, oh, okay. I got her. It's Eva Sandoval. You're a bounty hunter. Your father, Alberto, owns a bail bond shop, and that's your partner, Jake. Okay, I have who Ziggy thinks we're here to help. Tammy Jean Jessup. Seems Eva's father wrote a bond for her, but instead of showing up to court, Tammy Jean fled. She was arrested for unpaid parking tickets. Oh, babe, what do you say? Make it official? <laughs> do not look at me. Are you surprised? Yes. Yeah? Yes, I am. Well, what do you say? I need more time. Of course, the first time that Ben's having a gender creative experience, I have to be off troubleshooting Ziggy. Have you logged Janice out of the system yet? No, I don't think it's possible. Because you, you know how we use Ziggy to try and predict what the ripple effect of Ben's actions might be in the past? Yeah. She's trying to use Ziggy to predict what our actions might be in the near future. Wait, our is in? You, me, magic, and Addison. Yeah, she is heavy into our encrypted personnel files. Ben, what is going on? I mean, I get rooting for them. I am too, like, go love. This I have a girlfriend, Addison. The memory I had in Vegas during the fight, she was in it. Now you can't tell me if I'm right, but I know I'm right because I miss her. One day, I'm on patrol and I feel a, it's hard to explain, but a, a nudge. Like I was standing on one side of a door and on the other side, someone had gently pushed against it. I said yes to the nudge. I let that person in. Everything went black. I came to a day later. I couldn't remember what had happened. I chalked it up to battle fatigue. But in the meantime, I had somehow saved my entire platoon again, including my commander, Lieutenant Tom Beckett. Wait, you, are you trying to tell me that Sam Beckett leaped into me in? Saved my life, his brother's life, the whole platoon, really. Oh my God, 
Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher D. Philippus. I'm Alison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we are reviewing Season 1, Episode 4, A Decent Proposal. Uh, we are also very proud to be bringing you, in this episode, an interview with Herbert Magic Williams himself, Ernie Hudson. Guys, we spoke to Ernie Hudson. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, we hit Still the big got time. That, that high from that interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I'm just all giddy. I, 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 I promised myself I wouldn't fanboy too much on the call, and I don't think well. I did. But now I'm in a safe space with all of you guys and all of you listeners. And I got to talk to Ernie Hudson. <laughs> right. This was like, this was 45 minutes ago we, we hung up the call to him. So, yeah, we are still. <sighs> We're a little high. We're a little Amazing. high on Ernie. It was, yeah. a, it was a great interview. And uh, I say this about everyone, but I mean it every time. Super nice. Uh, super mm. great answers. Just a, a really cool conversation. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, good guy. And um, in that interview, he does go more in depth about his character, Magic, mm. and um, a lot of the revelations that we heard on this episode. And it was so refreshing to hear the seriousness with which he approaches this material yeah. and the reverence that he has for the legacy. You guys will hear all of that after the break. So stay tuned because it really was a good interview and we can't wait to bring it to you. But wow, Ernie Hudson. Crazy. And uh, thank you, by the way, to uh, Miriam at NBC for getting that interview for us. Really just yes. fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Miriam. Terrific. Terrific. So, guys, we're like a kind of a big deal now, right? We got NBC calling <laughs> Ernie Hudson. Excuse me, NBC. <laughs> NBC, get Ernie Hudson on the line, will you? Ernie Hudson, bless him. He was like, "Are you all NBC?" And we're like, "Oh no, oh, we no. are not." But thank you. <laughs> what, so what have you been told? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, it's 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 a great time to be a Quantum Leap fan, and I'm just so happy and grateful that all of the cast members have been so receptive in talking to us and to reaching out to the fan community through us. Uh, it's it's quite an honor. So if any of you are listening, thank you so much. Ernie is just the, you know, the latest in a long line of amazing gets that we've been able to achieve. And uh, hopefully we can keep it rolling. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You think that we'll finally get that interview with Diaper Monkey? <laughs> oh. <laughs> we've been waiting so long. Allison. <laughs> I, I don't know how long chimps live for, but I've got some bad well, news for you. We, we gotta hold out a hope. Diaper <laughs> monkey, if you're listening, please. Hey, Alison, we gotta be professional. Diaper monkey's agent, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Miriam can help us with that, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, guys, a decent proposal, huh? A decent yeah. proposal. A uh, decent proposal. I'm glad they kept that title, by the way. There was uh, briefly, they were considering retitling it Midnight Run, uh, mm. but uh, but they kept it at that, and I liked that. Yeah. Liked it better. Yeah. It's yeah. A, cute, a cute play on words, mm -hmm. and uh, Midnight Run is a movie with Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro. Also oh, a good movie. was that nice? Yes. I kind of wonder I if that's part of the reason why they didn't change the name. Maybe it was like a copyright issue also. Not sure. You might be able yeah, to get away maybe. with it. I don't know. Well, I don't know how that works. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> in any event, Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro did not appear in this episode, but Justin Hartley did. As, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's as a big the, get for the show. Right? Yeah. We had the Green Arrow himself. Well, the first, the OG Green Arrow. He, uh, he's coming off hot from uh, This Is Us, uh, which mm -hmm. uh, recently ended. And uh, 
the woman who plays the the guest star she's what his wife his girlfriend yeah they're like a couple his wife yeah his wife oh yeah. i didn't i didn't realize that yeah oh, okay her her name is sophia pernas pernas i'm probably saying that wrong sorry sophia i know you're listening so hey big ups but, uh, <laughs> I missed um, I missed all of this. I've I've not seen This Is Us. I I'm somehow not aware of either of these people. But I did notice in at the end of last week's episode, this this was the trailer that opened with guest starring Justin Hartley. So uh, they're obviously making a big deal out of the the get that they had there in the casting. Yeah, they definitely very purposefully included uh, a clip of him in the uh, coming up this season trailer to yeah. to get that kind of buzz going. And yeah, I saw an article about uh, the two of them uh, <laughs> moving a couch into their house. Apparently, it was used <laughs> to say they ordered a couch. So <laughs> I think like okay. that's about the level of like fame that they're at. So <laughs> what world do we live in? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some people really enjoyed that. Good for them. I hope they like the couch. <laughs> And it, retrospectively, it explains to me now what I didn't understand at the time. NBC have been releasing publicity photos for each episode, generally in order, in chunks every week. But a few weeks back, they released just three photos from this, just yeah. completely randomly, out of sequence, focusing on those two. And I I did not understand why. But now, obviously, yeah, they were trying to get the um, get the buzz going around about the time of the series launch for the fact that they were going to be making an appearance. Yeah, absolutely. This is yeah. meant to be a I big deal. I did not get that. Okay, good. I'm glad. All right. So good get for a Quantum Leap. Good get for the Quantum Leap podcast. Ernie Hudson, did I mention Ernie Hudson? Anyway, oh my um, gosh. why don't we start where we always do? <laughs> you ain't afraid uh, Allison, to talk about Ernie. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a little bashful about it. Uh, let's do some first impressions. Allison, what did you think of A Decent Proposal? Maybe we should start with you two again this week. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So Matt. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Quantum Leap has always done tonal shifts very well. And this is definitely a shift from last week. I don't think that's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just something I, I'm observing that's similar to the original series. As a frothy comedy episode, I thought it was a lot of fun. I think it's got a lot of rewatchability. It's definitely not at all the same as the as as episode three, and um, but not not in a bad way. Just just different. One thing I'm not going to go into it in first impressions because I know we're going to end up picking apart at this a lot. But I, I did notice that this was heavily leap oriented. Very very little in the future. So mm. that interested me. The choice there. When I was trying to wrap my head around my initial impressions for this episode, I was, I was having trouble because I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was fine. It's nice to see Ben's first leap as a woman. But it struck me that we're seeing a different type of storytelling here than we're used to on Quantum Leap because Quantum Leap was always so issues oriented and Sam had to solve some kind of problem. And that's all we ever saw. Um, I think that we're seeing a type of storytelling that wasn't possible in that format here uh, because of the team dynamic possibilities of an episode not just being about an issue but being about a theme i think that this episode is sort of a foray into that i'll get into it a little bit more but uh i think that this episode was strongest because they were able to explore a certain theme and see that theme's impact on all of the characters and um i think all in all it served as a, a good new vehicle for character development and like i said uh, sort of a new way to do a leap 
So I liked it. I liked it on, on a couple of different levels. I didn't think it was as funny as I wanted it to be, but it was certainly enjoyable. So we can get into all of that and a lot of, a lot of other great stuff in the episode to talk about regardless of all of that. So Allison, is that, does that give you enough of a, of a basis? Yeah. So I just don't, you know what? Um, so this episode had all of the elements for an episode that I would really enjoy, but I didn't. Okay. <laughs> And it's not anyone's fault in particular. Um, I just, I thought this was a step backward from last week. I thought last week it was a really strong episode. It felt like Quantum Leap to me. This episode, I don't know if they're really, they found their strength in comedy yet. And uh, at times I found it kind of boring, to be honest. Hmm. All right. Did the original ever really find its footing in comedy? The, the original is great at finding comedy. When they were trying to do things like stand up, you know, it gets yeah, kind of okay, like, yeah. okay, I don't know. I was about going this. for stand up. Yeah, that's, well, that's that's different. I'm talking about yeah. like just finding humor in the situation. Yeah, no, fair enough. The, fair the, enough. the closest comparison for this episode, these are very different shows, but they had an episode about a bounty hunter in mm-hmm. the original show that was comedy based, where mm-hmm. Sam is going after a um, female fugitive. There's some similar elements there uh that episode had a lot of laugh out loud moments and it was really um they were willing to go really out there with that and i felt like this episode holding back i feel the show holding back there's so many times where i just want them to just go out there with it i think also this being the first female leap they're very cognizant of not being transphobic or misogynistic or having any cliches in there Mm. that don't hold up very well. There were some elements of that in the original series. But I feel at the same time, because they were trying to be so careful with it, they're missing the fact that this is an experience for Ben. You know, he leaps in and he's like, I'm I'm wearing clothing in places I don't I'm not usually wearing it. And then, like, there's some joke about him not having a (laughs) I guess. Um, And then they just sort of brush it aside like they're like, let's just go on, move on to the next thing. And it felt like it didn't particularly matter. A lot of this episode felt like they were just trying to get to the next scene. But then Mm -hmm. the next scene was trying to get to the next scene. So it didn't really feel like we were actually in any of the scenes to me. With with the exception of a, a line that Ian had, um, I definitely yeah I agree with you. I felt that the the gender that he had was irrelevant to the plot, and although there was a love story going on, it could just as easily have been a gay love story between two men. That they, they didn't yeah. really lean into the the female leap element, except nah, there's a guy proposing to him. Um, but that, that, yeah, that didn't have to be a female. Yeah. I mean, and there were, uh, certainly, um, leaps like that in the original show where eventually you just have to kind of get over it, which was nice because, uh, the relationship with gender was really unique, especially for that time. The fact that Mm -hmm. Sam Beckett was this very masculine presenting character, but he would be in dresses or makeup or just treat this like any other character, any other person. But when it's the first time presumably Ben has never been a woman before. Uh, he, mm. he wouldn't remember being a woman or being in drag or any of these other things. And uh, from Ian's line, apparently it's his first gender experience or whatever the line was. Um, he called it a gender creative experience. Gender creative experience. Yeah. So Ben is not <laughs> yes. the kind of person to do something like that. So this would mean something, I would think. Like, I get that they're trying to be careful. And of course, you don't want to be offensive. But like... 
how does he feel? Uh, how yeah. does Ben feel in this situation? This has got to be weird. And like, I feel like the show plays it too safe sometimes. Like, there's yeah. a lot of moments where they don't allow it to actually be awkward or strange or let him stumble a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I noticed that 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 lack as well. It was it was sort of glaring. They tried to address it with Addison being the commentary for it instead of Ben reacting to it. Mm. She's reacting to what's happening around him as a woman. And she even says something like you were um, hit on, insulted or whatever in 30 seconds is about par for the course, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, they, they, they're acknowledging it, but they're not, they're not playing with it. And yeah, it felt a little forced to me. I, yeah. And I just, I wish, I wish that they would, have been react more to the different situations that yeah. he's in, especially being a woman for the first time. And the fact that these are mind leaps. So it's not like he's feels yeah. himself. The, the fact he's, he doesn't he's... have a d anymore is yeah. one joke. And it's like, but really though, like that should mean something, right? That right. is a I new mean, experience. Did it, should they not have him like coming out of the bathroom or something yes. and be like, I right. don't know. <laughs> I tried to stand up and it didn't work. Come on. <laughs> But I do want to say this does go a little bit more into the the ickiness I find with mind leaps and that like mm. you are in control of and sometimes very intimate with someone else's body. I know it's kind of Ben and that person at the same time. Maybe that's why they didn't go into it, but it certainly would be an element yeah. of it. Yeah. Well, that also speaks to a very specific point that comes up later in the episode that is seemingly unrelated, but I think that maybe it's all part and parcel of the type of experience they're trying to convey when somebody leaps into somebody else. And uh, I want I want to get to that on its own separate thing. But uh, mm. yeah, I just wish that they would have a little bit more fun with uh, the fish out of water aspect of this. I felt like that Ben was, you know, we're skipping to the very, very end here. Ben seemed to be more in awe of the fact that he shows up in the Old West than he is yeah. at the fact <laughs> yes. that he's in a woman's body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, yeah. I, and I, the show was able in the original series to mine it for a lot of good humor. Even just the the discomfort of of women's clothing in general. I I can't help but think of MIA and he's like oh no not the heels again and you know it's like they, well, they really did lean into it. this was a very safe first female leap outfit and it was very similar to what they did in the promo where he's in the rocker chick too you know you mm. got like the leather jacket uh, mm. sensible boots I mean this was a a pretty neutral outfit to be his first leap into a woman yeah well you got to think that Eva uh, the leapy is Eva Sandoval everyone she was a bounty hunter um but you got to think that a bounty hunter is going to be dressed to move dressed sure. sensibly yeah. Yeah. sure but so. i mean like maybe they should have picked a different first female leap then if they were going to do that or i mean yeah. i guess it doesn't have to go into that aspect of it they could certainly explore that later but i feel like a lot of the aspects of being a woman and how he's treated differently are not really explored in this mm. and i i would have been very interested in that there was like one or two moments like uh when he's like daddy you know just kind of like <laughs> how would i do this as a woman and as this guy's daughter uh or like when the dad is talking to him and kind of like cups his hand uh, or his face in his hands like mm. e very intimate touch that would be yeah. different maybe someone would do that with their son but you know it felt like that is something a father and a daughter would do mm -hmm. but yeah. i feel like they just pulled back that's even like at the very end <laughs> justin hartley like they've they've 
reunited. They're going to get married, yeah. presumably. Yeah. And he kisses her on the, the head, on the on side the of the head. head. Like, it's like, yeah. you would do that when you're going to marry someone? Just kiss them on the, like, just the lightest of pecs? That's a cop out. I think you're right. And I'm also wondering, do you think that, um, and I, I can't imagine that it is, but maybe it is. We're used to the the notion of a quantum leap now. So the fact that Ben is going to be leaping into women, we've seen Sam go through that already. And maybe they feel like that's ground that's already been covered on the show in the original. So we don't need to dwell too much on it. Yeah, but they covered so much on the show. If you're not going to go into it, then what are you even doing? Why are you yeah. doing I, it if I you're agree. not going to? I agree. Because yeah. you just explore it in a different way. Because like, you can tell that same story in a different way. We saw last week they did a boxing leap. They also did a boxing leap in the last uh, in the original series. But they were different stories. It didn't feel yeah. like they were just rehashing the same boxing story. You can tell a story about him being a woman for the first time and not have him react the same way as Sam. You wouldn't have the same element mm-hmm. of like his best friend hating on him. You know, you, like there's different <laughs> things you can explore that aren't exactly it. But yeah. if you do nothing, then it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. I hope that as, as the show goes on, that Ben gets to express some of the wonder of mm. the situation he finds himself in instead of it just being plot, 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 plot. I really wish that um, all respect to Caitlin Bassett and Addison. I want her to just get the hell out of these scenes <laughs> because she's in every scene that Ben is in. And there are so many where she's just standing in the background, not doing anything. And it feels mm. so safe for Ben. Like, I just want them to give more ch- like chances for him to navigate these things alone because it feels like too much handholding. Yes. Like, I like Addison and I like Caitlin Bassett. I just feel like there's too many scenes where she's just standing around for no reason. Like, there's no reason for her to be there. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, no, that never even occurred to me because I figure she's the observer. So she's well, she's not even doing the the things an observer should do. There was one moment in this episode where uh, they find out the twist with Tammy Lee slash Carla and she's killing someone and everyone gets out of the way except for Addison because she's a hologram. She's not going to be seen or get shot. But why wasn't she just wandering around where all of the that where this killer is, looking at who everyone is, what's going on? Why isn't she getting involved with these scenes because that's what you want the hologram for? Yeah. There's so many things that they could be using her character for other than standing around and then asking how Ben's doing. Like I'm mm-hmm. sick of people asking how everyone's doing just like be in the scene here. <laughs> I have no argument with you there, Allison. I think that they're still in many ways finding their footing in that respect. I don't know that I would call this episode a giant leap back, though, or a step back from last week. So I just think it was a different type of story. And to be honest with you, it was kind of a stock leap. Um, this is this is the kind of uh, like sort of a safe mid-season quantum mm. leap to me that says, uh, you know, it's it's like her charm. It's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I can enjoy a mid-season. In fact, I don't. I prefer the the filler type stories to the big important ones. Like I'd rather just be in that world rather than like you know all of the like big important moments. Like I just kind of want to be in that universe with these characters. But this episode, uh, it felt like it was pulling back, and I feel like some things about the presentation made it duller than it should have been like 
there were parts where I really wanted to get into it, but it just felt like this was just like the safest route. And I didn't like how anything looked in particular. All of the daytime scenes looked like they were filmed on the sun. It was so overexposed <laughs> and yellow and gross looking. And I think that's just how it's going to look. A lot of the shows kind of looked like that. And I was really disappointed in the comedy elements because Rachel Talalay was directing. She knows how to direct comedies. Yeah. So I don't really know what... Maybe they're just being told to do this a lot safer. Maybe they're being rushed. But it felt like pieced together, this this could have had punch and it, it didn't. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. And I also think that not that it's an unfair comparison because this is a continuation of a beloved show. You're you're necessarily going to compare them because it's in the same universe. But Jane Sibbett's a hard act to follow. And, you know, to point to something like a hunting we will go because it had another bounty hunter is is it's it's a tough bar. To, to meet, I think, because I thought that was a great episode and she was just so naturally funny in it. And that was a strength of hers when we, you know, I, I couldn't help but think of that and put that and this together. And you're right. There is a, a stark difference and um, a lot of missed opportunity for the comedy. But at the same time, that doesn't make it a bad episode, in my opinion. I just think right. it's 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 just not the same. That's all. It's yeah. it's unfortunate they they don't want to sit there in the writers' room overthinking this, but I do feel that the original series had nearly a hundred leaps. It's going to be very hard for them to come up with leaps that do not have the same profession or kind of um, just some kind of basic link back. But where they where they do have those links back to do something very different that, that it. It would have been easier to separate this from a hunting we will go if this wasn't presented as a comedy episode. If they said, "Look, we're going to do a bounty hunter episode. We've done a bounty hunter episode thirty years ago, and it was a it was a comedy one. Let's do something that's heavy on the drama, and let's let's do a comedy boxing episode." And it just yeah, it, it does like invite a... those. Yeah, it does it does yeah. invite those comparisons, but that that would mean them effectively forcing the route down and saying well hey we're, we want to do a baseball themed episode because everyone loves baseball but ooh, how can we make it very very different to play ball it that might stifle creativity yeah tough, there, there were act. a lot of there were similarities like the female fugitive with a exaggerated southern accent wearing a pink outfit <laughs> just sort of things that i kind of thought of but uh, regardless like i really I, I wasn't disappointed in this episode because it, it didn't compare to that episode. Like th there are similarities, mm -hmm. but it's really, I think it was different enough. Um, like the boxing episode was different and I really enjoyed it. So it wasn't about like whether it's as good or mm. uh, the same as the, the episode it might be similar to in the original show. I just think like as a standalone thing, and I'm trying to enjoy this as a standalone thing. I just mm. don't, I think it's just, um, it's just kind of a... They're still ironing out wrinkles. I think that they know how to do drama a little better because, like, it worked pretty good in the boxing episode. There were some funny lines in it to kind of punch it up, which is good. You want to have both. But I don't know if they know how to do funny yet. Some of the lines with Addison seemed kind of forced because of her relationship with Ben. It is a different dynamic. So a lot of the comedy that came from, say, the interplay with Al and Sam is not the same there. So it's not really a funny interplay per se. And the the thematic through line in this episode 
I do think it was pretty good. I liked that um, Ben was having relationship issues because of his own relationship issues, and that led to the revelation at the end. But that's a very serious moment, and I think that worked pretty good as a serious moment, but I don't think as as a comedy it all gelled together. That's fair enough. And getting onto that relationship topic, I mean, that's what made this episode so different for me, a new kind of quantum leap. As I was alluding to in my initial impressions, we didn't really have an issue this week, but we did have all the characters dealing with relationship issues. So, and I like the fact that not only was it, as you said, Allison, part of the leap, but it was also affecting the relationship between Ben and Addison. We get to delve into that relationship a little bit. We get more of the relationships between the people back at the project. I mean, the whole reveal to to Addison that Ben's been lying to her, mm-hmm. I, I, that was a neat moment. But instead of just having this this focus on a leap, now we can say, okay, well, this episode is going to be about relationships and we get to see how it affects everybody. And you get more of an interplay. I feel like it gives you more cohesion between the back at the project stuff and the Ben on the leap stuff because the back at the project stuff ain't going anywhere, but at least it's part of a bigger whole now. And thematically, we're exploring the same things in just just in different ways. So I, I I don't think that the original series would have been capable of doing something like that. And that's sort of a new ground that these writers can break with this new dynamic. And it took me a while to figure that out. But once I did, I, I hope I get to see more of it. There, there were a couple ways I thought this episode might have tied into things that it, it didn't. I don't feel like the B plot and the A plot seemed connected at all. That's why it seemed like a, a step back to me. It's not that it was weak on either side. It's that it's like two shows fighting each other again. Yeah. I, I wish that the people at the project seemed concerned at all with the leap at hand. They never seem they're, like they're concerned at it. They go like, oh, he's leaped into a woman. Cool. And then they go on to the conspiracy stuff and they never will mention it again. Maybe they'll ask <laughs> Addison how she's doing and how Addison's yeah. feeling in this moment. But it feels utterly disconnected. And that's everything that we wanted to see from the project to begin with is how does this affect the leaps? How do they handle these things? Like, wh- how do they go forward with the premise of the show? But if it's another show within a show, there's this disconnect there. So they had some, there was a, a really strong scene with Ernie Hudson and his acting was wonderful. We talked about that in the interview. I do not feel this is the same show as the Bounty Hunter show. This is utterly disconnected to me. Maybe I know I'm coming up no, negative. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm just trying to formulate. I'm formulating my response and same because yeah. you're, you're, you're right. Nothing you're saying here is wrong, and I, I, I felt that as well, and that's why I mentioned in in the opening remarks that this was heavily leap based. We didn't see much back at the project, and, and one of the things I really loved last week was how it was it was a fairly even split, and the two tied in together neatly, and. This week was very project light. It was, yeah, it it was a shot across to one big moment for magic, uh, which was, yeah, it's a really solid scene, but it did just feel very shoehorned in there as if we're just keeping this ticking along. And I'm hoping that when we look back over the series as a whole, what we just learned about magic, well, what, what Ian just learned about magic will... Yeah, There'll, there'll be repercussions in future episodes because if not, that was a very cool scene that was just sandwiched in 
in order to give the project something to do. And the whole the Janice thing has been forgotten. Janice <laughs> was quite conspicuous by her absence this week. It, it felt very <laughs> odd. I was cool with not seeing more Janice this week. <laughs> I mean, look, look, love, love or hate her, she's she's been one of the. She, she's a recurring character, so it, it does. Yeah. It did feel a bit odd. I was waiting for her to show up, and well, they did keep that simmering, and yeah. I, you know, they they had Ian addressing it in the beginning and in the end, and I think that Allison, I, it it took me a minute to sort of figure out how to respond to what you were saying because Matt Matt kind of nailed it. There's nothing wrong in anything you're saying. You're absolutely right. But I think that I've been waiting for the magic moment that we saw <laughs> since the beginning of the show. So maybe I'm not the most objective uh, uh, yeah, you know, it. judge of this because I was just, I was wrapped. Like I could not like look away. I could not wait to hear <laughs> what his sleep experience was like. So, yeah. Chris wrote a novel about that scene. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, was, sure. I, was, I was watching that and in my head, Chris was sat next to me. Uh, the, yeah. the, the scene with magic in this episode where he reveals his experience with leaping. What did it feel like from his perspective? It does serve a purpose in the overarching story. It's telling you why this new project was created, why he's so invested in this beyond Sam leaping into him. From his perspective, what what is this character thinking? That he wants answers and he wants... <sighs> Sam has had a huge impact on his life, so he has a personal investment here. So what I would have done and what I thought that this episode was going to be about um, when we heard that this was going to be an episode about Ernie Hudson's character, it really isn't about his character. There's a scene <laughs> where he talks about it, but it's not yeah. about his character. I thought that the leap would have something to do with him personally. Yes. I would have approached it by he either leaps into Vietnam or leaps into someone that he knows or, you know, something that triggers these memories or triggers this conversation in a more natural way. So that Ernie Hudson is like, yes, okay, here's what's on my mind. Here's why I created this project. And that ties these these elements together so it doesn't feel like the project stuff is fighting the leap stuff. That's what they need to do. That's why last week felt stronger because they were talking about the leap. It did feel more like it was connected to what was happening to Ben. And you can do that while still forwarding the overarching story. And mm. thank you well, for putting it like that because I've been, I, I was trying to figure out if part of my disappointment surrounding that is because we've heard rumors the last couple of weeks that episode four is the magic episode. And I, I was, yeah. I, I imagine something heavily Vietnam based that there'd, there'd be yeah, some they big stuff going on. they showed that clip from the exactly. original show and I thought, oh, they're going to do a Vietnam thing. And I guess no. And <laughs> I, I, I was trying to figure out, am I being, am I being hard on this episode? because of my expectations which were wrong but actually Alison you just explained exactly why I felt like oh what a missed opportunity it's it's exactly that it felt like well, a scene from a, another episode or another yes. show yeah but what what they did was they used the Janice storyline as an excuse which I found pretty intriguing um some of the elements with the Janice storyline even though we didn't see her this week that was what enabled magic to tell Ian his backstory, right? And again, that's the that's the show that we have. I understand everything you guys are saying, and I, I somewhat agree with it, but they want to give the project stuff and the chase and the mystery equal footing. So this was a way to tie into that story a little bit more this week. Even though we didn't see Janice, she looms large, and she's using their personnel files to try to predict the future with Ziggy, which to me is... A great 
development because one of my favorite lines in all of Quantum Leap was when Gushy says to Al in Mirror Image, Ziggy has checked all of uh, Sam's birthdays from his first birthday to the end of the 21st century. The implication there is Ziggy can see into the future, which hmm. makes sense because of the nature of, of the show and the computer. Why didn't we ever use that? Like this opens the door. Like, could Ben do future leaps? I he would leaps love to see a space some... bar. Yes, big cassavas. <laughs> I feel like the overarching story has to do with the future. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I know. You think it's the apocalypse storyline, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think something happens in the future, regardless of if it's an end of the world scenario. I think it's something they're trying to prevent or change. Yeah. Mm. All right. I mean, I'm just thinking they're looking for Sam because Magic's speech about how Sam impacted his life and so many other lives, it seems like he's trying to return the favor. I also love the fact that they all consider Sam to be just lost because they don't know that he made a choice. So it's it's great from their point of view to to see him as this tragic figure. And I know a lot of fans see him that way as well. I know that, you know, maybe I'm a little bit uh, in the minority there. I don't want Sam to come home and uh, I don't think he needs to be rescued, but it's wonderful that so many people are going to such great lengths to try to locate him and to rescue him because of the genuinely good person that he is. So I, I like that aspect, but we really got to dig into sort of uh, Magic's description of leaping, I think, here. And Allison, you had mentioned earlier why you didn't like body leaps versus mind leaps, you know, that, that element of consent. In this, Magic says specifically, I felt a nudge, mm. like someone standing on, on the other side of a door and they were gently pushing. And I said yes to the nudge. So does that imply that Sam leaping into somebody requires their consent? It implied to me that for Magic, who we know apparently, allegedly maybe had some kind of intuition or possibly spiritual or supernatural foresight, for him it had consent. I don't, I'm trying not to get excited by this about thinking through, oh, every single episode, oh my goodness me, where, where is the inconsistency? There's got to be a leap where, like, did, did Leon Styles accept Sam in? I, I'm, well, I'm trying I mean, not to get carried away I, with that I, and yeah, think I have maybe an idea. there's something special about magic. But they don't know what they're consenting to. He didn't know yeah. what it was. So I don't know if that's true consent, if we're, if we're talking about this as consent. But I think, I mean, maybe he pinged around in time and there were some people where it didn't happen that way until right. he landed on someone that said yes opened the door whatever that happened to be maybe he's yeah. just speaking in metaphors i don't know lee harvey well, oswald I, did not let him in right no, no way. And <laughs> but that's not a body leap either no. none of these are mind leaps could it also be that Leap Home Part 2 Vietnam is the one, I think, most concrete example that we've seen in the series ever, except for Mirror Image, of Sam leaping himself, right? From the basketball game to the jungles of Vietnam to save his brother. He's even saying the same word as he leaps. That's true. Could it, could yeah. it be that this is now an anomaly? Like, because Sam is Sam, maybe when he didn't realize he could control the leaps or wasn't doing so consciously, he was just leaping into people. But Sam being Sam, maybe realizing, oh. hey, I'm directing my leap this time. There is someone I'm pinpointing, but I'm Sam. I'm not going to just invade your life. Knock, knock. Can I come in? 
Can, can please? Can you let me in? This is very important. Okay, your your head cannon on that is much better than mine. Forget I said any of, of that about <laughs> about magic's magic. Um, no, yeah, I think I that's like great that. too because it could be part and parcel. What attracted Sam to magic? It could be that 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 intuition, that sort of that that intuitive sense that he has. So I, I, I think that there's no th- those aren't mutually exclusive things. Mm. Like I think that all fits together beautifully. Oh, I'm getting chills. <laughs> this is cool. I thought when he said that years later he would have like dreams about this man, that at first he was talking about Al because he would have had a memory of the waiting room talking to Al. That would have been a big part of his side of the experience. And it also Mm. would have explained more of his connection to Al and his family outside of just, you know, going to the the project and trying to figure out, you know, how to bring it back and all this stuff. Uh, but they didn't. They they purposefully danced around and did not talk about the waiting room. Mm. Everything's very vague. I'm not sure if it gave us much of an answer, but it was interesting to hear him talking about it. And I thought the acting was good in the scene. This was the first, maybe only chance they really have to address the difference between the two shows in that waiting room approach. The fact that they danced around it and the fact that they they didn't choose to address that. I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to get a real answer to that. It could be that they I just didn't want to go there because it. It, was an, it was an emotional scene. <laughs> it was an emotional moment. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't think they want to address it on screen. I think that was the closest we're ever going to get. Which is fine. We've got we've got headcanon. We've got fans for that. We'll, we'll take care of that stuff. <laughs> really? Because that's the number one question. <laughs> That uh, I see everywhere. People ask me. They ask our Twitter account. I see them tweeting everyone constantly this question to the point where I'm like, I'm tired of answering this question. (laughs) They decided they thought it was too confusing. They're not doing the waiting room. I don't know if they will ever explain this on screen. This is what uh, I believe Stephen Lillian said in an interview. They're like, we can't wrap our heads around it, so we're just not going to do it. It's superposition, whatever the hell that means. They're kind of both in the same place. <laughs> That's where Ben's body is. That's where the Leapy's body is. They're the same place. <laughs> NBC needs a two-question FAQ page on their website. One, it's superposition. Two, no, we don't know when it's going to be showing in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's it. Then we're done. And then, uh, he, yes, we've seen the blue meme. <laughs> if I can maybe touch upon um, both both of your points. Uh, Sorry, thinking about the blue meme, but uh, yeah, I, I think that Matt, you're absolutely right in the sense that this was sort of an emotional beat. And they wanted to keep the heart of the emotion of of magic story um, flowing without getting bogged down into what's a waiting room. And the fact that magic says that everything went black, but then years afterwards, he would have vivid, vivid dreams of a man he didn't know. And he knew the guy's face. That implies to me that... He did go to the waiting room. He obviously saw Sam in the waiting room, much like we see in Lee Harvey Oswald, where they have mm-hmm. mirrors in the table. I don't know why, but they do. <laughs> um, so he's he's obviously knew what Sam looked like because he saw Sam's reflection at some point. So there is still plenty of chance to go into this if they choose. It doesn't mean they will, but him saying that it's all black leaves that door wide open. You can fill that blackness with 
anything. So I'm hoping that once the show really finds its audience and finds its footing and gets more comfortable with the fact that it's a science fiction show and wants to delve into that science fictional aspect, I think that they but will. They got, if you, did you maybe, see the computers and the, the CGI <laughs> and the little blinky lights? So these that. are my fan hopes. These are my fan hopes. You don't have to undercut them at every turn, Allison. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. No, I, I agree with you. It's like, here's a big fancy Google machine. It's sci-fi. It's like, look, yes, we've seen a lot of computers and blinky lights. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, I wish that they'd maybe, maybe they were being very vague about it. You, you don't have time to get into all the minutiae of it. But if you're going to talk about a leapy side of the leap, uh, I would think you would want to answer some of the questions people have had, and I'm not sure they really did. Like, um, there are a lot of leaps where it would make absolutely no sense if they just blacked out the entire time. They'd have to remember something about mm. it to continue the leap. Like, for instance, when Sam's on an, uh, an island with Brooke Shields, at the very <laughs> end they decide to stay on the island together. Unless that guy wanted to stay on that island, he'd have some questions at the very <laughs> yeah. end. No, I you hear know, you. So, yeah. No, and especially it, when it, it comes to like love stories, it's like, well, did that person really feel that? Because like Sam did, but did they? Like, <laughs> they had to have some part of this. This is where the glaring lack of the waiting room really uh, reared its head in this episode, where Ben doesn't know how to answer the proposal. And in my head, I said, well, why don't they just go ask her in the, oh, wait, yeah. they can't. They so, can't. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, damn, damn, damn. <laughs> These are just two two things to notice about that scene. Number one, in the the background behind the uh, little coffee truck thing, uh, there is a very distinctive wall, which is the exact same wall that we saw last week next to the police station that the the guys were being held in. That is literally just shot on the same street. They're about ten feet down. <laughs> um, it, it's so distinctive. It's got these little little knobs on the the wall. It's yeah. It's oh, it's you funny. can see that you can see the police station just in the corner of the screen um, behind some trees. <laughs> The other thing is, and I can't take credit for this, um, our, our listener Barry Donovan pointed this out to me, um, the, the the coffee truck was called Pretty Little Lattes, which is clearly a reference to, to Troy and Belisario's show. I love that. Oh my Pretty God, Little Troy Lattes. Troy all over this. She's all over Quantum Leap. I, Continuing I was the legacy. so happy to see that. That's I did so not little lattes. That. It's brilliant. I love that. Yeah, that's that's absolutely. Oh, they had um. This doesn't have to do with Easter eggs, but speaking of like references, you don't really expect in Quantum Leap the the legally blonde reference. Yeah, I, I, I didn't I, even get that. that in my in my in my goose <laughs> section. I'm like, what what? In oh yeah, what, the why Elle is Woods. she because uh, she's wearing pink. That's it. That's is, the, that's the only connection. I kind of okay. I like the picture they're painting of Ben, right? Of the things that he's into. He's into yeah. the Real Housewives <laughs> and Legally Blonde. It's my kind yeah. of guy. <laughs> it's yeah. Legally Blonde, but I didn't. And, oh man, I did Matt, not make that you, connection. Since you're pointing out um, similar shooting locations, is the alley where they're changing the tire the same alley that the van pulls into in the pilot? It I was looked, trying to figure that out. The same. Mm. Yeah, it sure looked yeah. the same. Yeah. Some of this did feel very backlotty. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure they were filming in some areas around the same backlot. They're sticking a lot to the same universal backlot um, throughout the series so far. There, there were definitely bits where they were driving around the streets that looked a lot like Philadelphia 
from the first episode. So I, I think there's that whole New York backlot area that they're mm-hmm. redressing. I think that, you know, we're going to just have to get used to that. I never yeah. used to notice any of that kind of stuff uh, oh, until yeah, I started the talking to you guys. Lot over and over yeah. in the original Quantum Leap. Yes. Um, yeah. But I do think they had more time and possibly more budget to try and to disguise yeah. these things. So yeah. I don't want to be uh, too harsh on him for that kind mm. of thing. Um, it, it didn't bother me too much that it seemed like kind of the same area. One thing that did bother me, though, is that, again, like their version of the 80s is not the 80s to me. Um, <laughs> Justin Hartley looks like he just stepped out of 2022. His hair doesn't look the same. The um, the outfit, the, the cut and the drape is not how anyone in the 80s would be wearing it. Um, it's tailored very closely to him. Um, the outfit that Ben is wearing seems almost Party City 80s to me, like in, in the way that mm. they styled Tammy. Uh, yeah. Her hair is not styled in any way anyone in the 80s would be wearing. None of it seems believably that decade to me, except her apartment kind of looked like it. <laughs> we need to have him come to the uh, come to the 80s on Long Island with all of the biggest hair you've ever seen. So. <laughs> they're afraid wanna... they're afraid to do ugly 80s they're afraid well, to make people look a little ugly they should have given justin hartley like a rat tail or something that'd be great or a mullet like i or used a to mullet. have yeah give yeah. him a MacGyver. That, that, that bartender <laughs> at the leap in he had a pasted on mustache i mean that was that was a yeah. pretty bad mustache <laughs> yeah he looked kind of 80s some of the extras yeah. looked okay um i feel like with the leads they're trying a little too hard to make them glamorous maybe i i don't know but it it once again does not feel very of the time the music was pretty good though yeah oh you mean the needle drops yeah not not the the, not the orchestral not the orchestral stuff yeah yeah i'm just being a big crab i don't like the i don't like the scoring i don't like the scoring because it sounds the same every week and i wish they would go with the flavor of the leap a little more um the the original show again uh was pretty good at making it feel like its own flavor each week Mm. Um, so it was like, okay, this is kind of a more Southern bent. This is uh, more of a kind of comedy sounding soundtrack. Here's something a little spooky because it's a spooky episode. Uh, a lot of this is a lot of kind of like um, CSI tonal noises <laughs> that I wish that they would back off of a little bit. Um, it it kind of woke up phone, at the end please. in the leap out. Then they started like, they're like, oh, we have to do a different sound for this. But I feel like, okay. The scoring actually is kind of important, though, for this episode, too, because it's a comedy. And when you hear like, like the little like drum tracks and stuff, that it's not a comedy sound at all. So yeah. it would just like it, it just drug the scenes down for me. Mm. Um, we'll we'll do a re-edit. We'll put some slide whistles in it for you, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> it, do, it matters, though. It really, yeah. really matters. The look and the sound of, of something can make or break a production. There have been like movies I've watched where they have a really droney soundtrack and it killed the whole thing when it mm. could have been so great. And I feel like uh, if they had not overexposed the footage and added it like a, a yellow filter and if they had added music that felt more comedic not like there's sometimes where like um soundtracks can be overwhelming where they're like they're telling you it's funny and then you get mm. to like stand up where they put literal like wah, 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 like in the soundtrack <laughs> then you get you get in the bad you know this is the opposite direction but it can help inform the scene and what the tone is supposed to be and when you have just kind of the the same sound as all the like csi stuff it really it it kills some of the the vibe Mm, i wonder if it's because that stuff fits in so well with the 
the vibe back at the project stuff. Like you said, it's very generic. I think they're trying to make it like homogenous, maybe. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's, yeah. And then, so if you were going to have that tonal shift into the leap part of it, it would make it even more jarring of a transition. So maybe they're trying to use the score, even though maybe it's not appropriate for both stories, as something that is at least of a whole. I'm not saying it's, it's right. I'm not saying it works specifically well for the leaps, but. I, again, just trying to get my head around why they're making why? the decisions mm. they are. Yeah, there could be kind of a contrast there, though, that could be kind of interesting. If you want to compare it to The Leap Back, where they have half of the story in the 40s and half of it in 1999, mm. there's a distinct sound to each part of it. You have like the, the 40s sound, uh, mm. and then you have the kind of futuristic like... Whale song. <laughs> Yeah, whale yeah. song. And um, I love, and so, I love yeah. every bit of it. <laughs> yeah, there's an interesting <laughs> contrast there. Um, at the same time, I feel like that's that's the good part of the leap back. The bad part of the leap back is that it felt like two stories unfulfilled. We talked so about that in the episode. Like, you just don't like back at the project stuff. Is I really what no, it comes. No, I like back at the project stuff. I don't <laughs> like the Donna story because I don't. I think they fumble the football. But even if you love the Donna story, even if you love the '40s story in that episode, they didn't have any time to do either one in a way that would have been satisfactory to mm. me. That, epi- anyway. that episode is perfect and beautiful and wonderful and you shall I, not say it still, any longer. I, I love the episode, but I love mostly the 40 stuff. But I do like, I liked when we see, saw the project in other episodes. It's not that I didn't like the project. It's just, uh, I had issues with that episode. But a lot of what we've been seeing in New Quantum Leap so far has had the similar problem in that we don't have enough time to do either story. So there's not really a problem inherent with either one of them. I have certain issues with, with some of them, but because you're cramming it all into one thing and they're all kind of fighting for screen time, uh, you just don't have enough Mm. of either one of them. Well, I I think I derailed what your original point was going to be about the music, though. I think you you were talking more about the pop tracks that we got, and they're having a lot of fun with 80s music. Yeah, pop tracks were great. Yeah. Yeah. They they got a great budget for music on this, I will say. I liked uh, Ballroom Blitz. That was really good for yeah, the, the chase scene fun. in the club. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, you were going to have to get the Blondie in there the one way or another that, mm. that, <laughs> for for sure. And I mean, the Human League as as part of the Leapin, uh, that puts you in a time it's, and place. It, and if you didn't immediate. get that you were in the 80s with the Human League, there was Charles and Diana's wedding on the TV, which allows us yeah. to date this exactly Yes. Right. This leap happens, what, on uh, Wednesday, July 29th, 1981. Yes. I had to look that up, by the way. Yeah, the dad was watching it, and then they're kind of like, you know, that, like, compared to the, they're bringing up all these relationship things. and what, Was was everyone, uh, this is a genuine open question, was everyone in America really watching it live at the time? I, was it that big a thing overseas? I don't mm. know, I know it was big for us, but... You have a lot of Anglophiles here that probably yeah. were, not in my house, but I'm sure that people were. And I'm sure that it was, well, maybe that wasn't football on that day. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel it's a like Wednesday it was night. kind of a, a big, I can't speak for the time because I wouldn't have been able to remember, but um, it, certainly not in the, well, I guess in the 80s, I wouldn't have even been born yet unless it was 89. But um, I can't speak for the time, but I feel like it was big news uh, in the States because of that becoming a princess yes. from from yeah. lesser you know like that kind That's, of story the yeah that was the big that was the big draw i i again i, I was there i lived through it um it was really that sort of rags to riches which is yeah. so distinctly an american myth you know mm-hmm. that pull you up by your bootstraps <laughs> and the horatio alger and 
the fact that she was basically a commoner that yeah. became a princess is like, you know, wow. It was like Disney come to life, you know? So it was a big deal. Was it on in clubs while people were dancing? I don't think well, so. Were, Did you notice were they the, club? In the club? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it could have just been that they had the news on. It might might have been a yeah. clip during the news, but it could have been. It could have, but it looked live. It looked live, and uh, also it's probably. I, I also like the fact that it's the the time difference in the UK was evident because it starts at night and then it goes through to the next morning. Like we basically see the the night end and the sunrise in this because it's a very short mm. leap. It's less than a day. Right. Um, that was kind but, of unusual seeing it start in the middle of the night and go into the day. But it's good because it would have been the middle of the day in the UK at that point, right? Yeah. Or at least early in the morning. So they got yeah, that part of it midday right. Midday-ish. Yeah. It was, it was around so, midday. So I, I kind of like that they at least got the, the math right on the time difference. I know that's a small thing, but... Uh, hey, hey, it's yeah, not a small cool. thing. I, I was sat there working the maths out while I was watching. <laughs> it. They got this right. I, I thought at one point, because of the whole thing of Tammy... Carla missing a court date, then having a different court date. I was like, ah, ah, they got this wrong. And I realized I was looking at the wrong date. So that, that threw me for a moment. But Okay. Now, speaking of, of Tammy Carla, um, the episode's biggest <laughs> weakness to me was how stupid a, do you have to be? A criminal mastermind is also a scofflaw. Like you're going to draw attention to yourself over yes. $500 worth of stupid parking tickets. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> your cocaine empire is not going to go very far, young lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was that was. Yeah, I, it's almost like he didn't have to be. I, I think they wanted to have him as a bounty hunter. She she, she wasn't but, hiding anything at all. They in the middle of Union Station. They're having this big standoff, but nobody notices. <laughs> nobody notices the standoff going on, and then like, and then like. <laughs> Okay, I really like this moment. This was tremendous when Ben <laughs> uses his taser to taser through the suitcase. It's nonsense. You get like the comical electricity and then like it flies out and then the money flies out. And then all of a sudden everyone in Union Station wakes up and they're like, gotta get money. money. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I was laughing so much at that. <laughs> So that was kind of funny. Well, good. Yeah, it was a comedy episode. I'm so glad you found something to laugh. I did. There were, there were one or two lines that I thought were funny in it. You know, they had some moments. Yeah, I think they, you know, some some okay comedy moments, but I think it was more decent uh, dramatic moments. I liked again getting back to the the theme of relationships here. After Magic tells Ian his backstory, it galvanizes Ian to get Ben home. And mm. I I really liked the intensity that Mason brought to that scene. Uh, it gives me more of a connection between the two of them because so far we've only been told that they're best friends, I guess. But I just felt I bought it a little bit more in the wake of what we saw with magic and how, how it affected Ian. So uh, that, that was good to me. Uh, I also liked the fact that we get to see the leapy a little bit more. It was great when they did that peephole shot. Yes. When yeah, and she looks out the peephole, and you actually see uh, Anastasia and Antonia, who played Eva, uh, the mirror. And uh, then she opens the door, and it's Ben standing there with Addison behind him. Mm. So again, you get that sort of that that point of view where you're seeing what anybody looking at Ben would see, and they didn't do that at all ever 
on Quantum Leap. You would just see Sam gesturing and talking to himself, you know? Yeah. So I thought I thought it was good. Now, one thing they did get more right in this episode and what I've heard people complaining about on the last episode, basically Ben and Anish are now having a full-blown conversation three steps behind <laughs> Daryl as yes. they're going into the club. <laughs> in this one, they, 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 they got that a little bit more finessed. You know, it's not like they were having a giant conversation just in front of everybody. Uh, they were after a while, but at least there was no one particularly close by. So... I hope that uh, they, they're more cognizant to that as they go forward. I have a question about Addison. How many very similar jackets does she own? Because <laughs> I get, I have a big jacket collection. I cannot say that they look that similar because why do you need that many brown leather jackets? She does in your what she wardrobe. Likes. Yeah. But do you need when that you go many? To style. Especially if it's a jacket, you're not going to be washing it every day. You can wear it more than once if you really think that's your style. I just don't really understand the point of dressing her in basically the same outfit every week. I Except for the of... pilot. She had a she had that gray outfit in the pilot. It sums down from me. <laughs> I feel like this was the best jacket so far, but it's very similar. Very similar outfits every week. <laughs> I have a lot of very similar shirts because when I find a style that I like, I stick to it. It doesn't mean all the shirts look the same, but it's the same style of shirt. So sure. maybe Addison's like me. Maybe. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I could be wrong. I feel like that's a very guy thing to do also to be like, I really like this shirt or these pants, yeah. so I'm going to get like 10 of them <laughs> in maybe yeah. different colors. Um, gu- guilty. <laughs> you just, yeah. Yeah. Guilty. Addison's just practical. Yeah. But maybe maybe it's something she picked up in the military too. Like she's like, don't don't. Uh, I'm not too concerned with uh, the fashion element of it. What do I like and what works? Maybe right, right. Maybe it's a little bit more no nonsense. It shows that she's not uh, frilly, and that way, uh, just you know, visually, we're not having a competition between Addison and Ian because Ian gets to wear all the all the great outfits on the show. That's like in in their contract. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I feel like uh, we talked about this before. I feel like Addison really should stand out more uh, yeah. as as the other in the scene to really um, emphasize yeah. it's, the, it's the hologram very, aspect very of it. It's very difficult to do when they're setting the future of Quantum Leap is now the present day for us. So you can't really get away with the outrageous fashions that Jean-Pierre developed for the future of 1999 when we were watching the original show. And... I'm sorry, the 80s is just not a very distinctive time period. The clothes from the 80s still look like the clothes from today. I know there were some differences, but it's not like you're seeing something from the 50s or the 60s. Uh, the 80s becomes very generic. It becomes very homogenous. And to me, that's that's just one of the downfalls of having to set it in the 80s uh, and, and the 90s. You're <laughs> not going to uh... get a distinction between the 2000s and the 80s. You're just not. Unless you dress them in super neon. Yeah, maybe, uh, let, me, let me throw this idea out here. What if they gave Addison kind of some Cindy Lou Who hair? <laughs> you think? <laughs> maybe if they put some pipe cleaners in there and kind of squiggle it up. Maybe? Maybe. You Why think? not? Why not? <laughs> We can ask we we can we can ask Caitlin how she feels You're about like, that. Caitlin, what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Change nothing else, but just that. <laughs> no, Where do you I don't come know. Up with I, this I stuff? don't want. I don't know. Um, I got a million of them. I think like the in Killing Time, the stripper kind of had some Cindy Lou Who hair going on. Yeah, she did. Yeah. It's like those she side ponytails, kinda. right? Yeah, she had kind of yeah. that going it was kind on. Of a, um, 
Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> look going on there. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I miss the kind of future by way of 80s, early 90s aesthetic that they had uh, from the original show, because it really did provide a, a good contrast. Yeah. And I don't want Addison to be a copy of Al, but I do think a lot of elements of Al were there for practical reasons and storytelling reasons, not just, you know, because Dean Stockwell was so funny and, and Al was a great character. Um, the reason that they would have him in these crazy outfits did help to stand out and make sure it was obvious he was someone from the future. Let's say someone's flipping channels. You're going to be like, what, why is he talking to this guy and no one else is like, oh, there's something off about this. Yeah. And also the fact that he was so funny, he was a good foil. Mm -hmm. for Sam. He had a lot of opposing viewpoints and um, it, it helped for them to bounce off of each other and try and solve this leap together. And Addison and Ben tend to kind of agree on things and kind of move in the same way. And uh, I would like to see in the future a little more contrast there. Like, you know, they're... Um, they were engaged, so obviously they have a lot of things in common, but they're not the same person. So it would be helpful to, to have a little more contrast. I don't know if the revelation at the end of this episode is going to give them more contrast or less in the future now. Because now, <laughs> now now, it's all out in the open and, and they're, they're going to be coupley from next week. I thought, I thought he was going to remember proposing to her because it was called a decent proposal. I thought it was going to be like a yeah. play on that. Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. Me neither. Another moment that I was so caught up in that I felt was really earned to me. I, I just fell into the emotion of that scene when he remembers. Yeah, so I thought I'd that like was to a good discuss moment. that. I'd like to discuss that a, a little bit because Ben's memory is apparently cumulative since uh, he leapt because one of the funniest lines I thought the comedy worked was when uh, Jake asks him, you've been taking boxing lessons. Uh, actually. Yeah, I have. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, nice he, moment. he remembers things from leap to leap, which Sam didn't always do. So now that we have this reveal and he remembers who Addison is, will they be building on that or do you think they'll walk that back and swiss cheese him into not remembering just for the sake of dramatic tension I, I i mean i hope they don't because i like the aspect of the relationship but it just poses an interesting question going forward because one of the beautiful things about the swiss cheesing in the original series was the fact that sam was fresh for every leap so he was almost like a blank slate and he could react in real time to the situation that he was in. Ben yeah, I mean, just found out that the love of his life is a hologram from the future that he can't, you know, touch or hold. Hmm. And then he, he leaps immediately on that revelation into another situation. Is he still feeling the, oh my God, the gravity of that moment? Or is he sort of reset? I, I mean, except for season or episode six, he probably will forget again. But, um... <laughs> Yeah. No, I I think like, oh, it's going to be not... like fifty first dates. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the whole rest of the time. season is just going to go in this loop, three or four episodes at a time of him yeah. building up his memories and then losing them. And... <laughs> I don't think uh, Sam was fresh like a blank slate every leap. I think he remembered whatever was convenient, but <laughs> he would recall things from other leaps. He wasn't like an amnesiac every episode. No, he no, would no. Just, I like... understand that. But it was it, it varied, you know? Yeah, so. it was whatever was convenient. I think it was, yeah. you know, his his brain, his masons and neurons were jumbled around each time. It's whatever was convenient and you don't want to keep going over the same story beats over yeah. and over again. So I don't think that Ben is going to 
it's going to be a 51st date situation where he just doesn't remember, except maybe when he goes to the earthquake and suddenly yeah. it's the pilot again. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I think like it was good that they move things forward with that. Um, it's, it's good to see uh, their relationship evolving. I did find it kind of strange that um, last leap when Ben is in a... Uh, romantic entanglement with a lady they didn't have they didn't have that much of a reaction from addison and you would think that would have been a pretty big deal as someone who is uh, engaged to him but he doesn't remember i don't want her like flying into a big jealous rage but i mean you know like it, it felt like why are you doing that storyline if you're not playing that up that much yeah it seemed that uh... That moment where Angela runs in and kisses him, it seemed to be like she says, like, oh, they're lover boy or whatever it is. Like she's kind of playing it for laughs when there should just be a moment of <gasps> I'm, I'm not happy watching this. I maybe. OK, Addison is ex-military kind of no nonsense. I could see her being in the situation and reacting appropriately so that she doesn't throw Ben off. Uh, I it would have been nice maybe to see a just sort of a smoldering look, yeah, or that's what some I mean. kind of yeah some yeah. kind of reaction. But I, I, yeah, it's 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 again part of the problem with the show overall. There's not a lot of reaction to the new situations. Yeah. So you were talking about it for Ben just being you know had so such equanimity about about everything. It just doesn't seem to be a big deal. Um, the writing is also, you know, doing that to Addison in many ways because all of her more emotional beats happen back at the project. I really love the scene where Jen talks to her about how Ben is lying to them. And she says, listen, Ben, you know, if Ben is the man who I think he is, then I will forgive him. He had a good reason for this. And if he's not, I don't have to forgive him. You know, I, I that was, I thought, a really good beat because it's her coming to some kind of acceptance that she could lose this all. And it made it all the more poignant when he remembers her uh, and they recreated the hand scene from the engagement party. But mm. this time the hands go through each other. I, 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 I was welling up. I really, yeah. I feel for the character. So they're doing something right. I, again, I wish, like you said, Allison, in the moment, in the leaps, we would get more of a natural reaction instead of just the shrug or not even acknowledging. Yeah, it it kind know? of feels like they're just going like, we don't have time for this, so they don't do it. Right. But then they don't have time for anything. So it's like, what, what is this yeah. about then? <laughs> you don't have time for any of it. You know, like, and yeah, they do a lot of like people asking each other how they're doing, but I would like to stop stopping scenes to ask how someone is doing and have more emotions in the moment and inform us about the, how the characters are feeling there. I think that that would be a little more helpful. It's that show don't tell kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. 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 I like that scene at the end with Ben and Addison. Um, I'm interested to see where it's going. Uh, I did kind of wonder, Ben remembers because he's he's triggered by the what something the dad says on this leap where he says, like, the answer's right in front of you all, yep. like, the whole time. I do kind of wonder if there's some meaning to that beyond him finding out who Addison is to him. Like, if that's maybe a hint to us about the overarching story, some of the yep. questions we have, the answer is right in front of us. Yeah, and that could be another part of the reason why Ben's memory seems to be building 
instead of Swiss cheese as the leaps go on. Like maybe he's learning lessons too that will come into play later in the storyline. And it helps to have him remember all of these situations. The fact that the answer is in front of you the whole time. I think they said it like two or three times in the episode. It's like a drum yeah. they were beating. Yeah. So I, 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 I got to think it's going to come into play somehow. So we got to see what is the most obvious clue that we're missing. It's going to hit us on the head like Donna's frying pan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Clunk. <laughs> I mean, well. We always want to hear from Donna's frying pan, uh, but uh, <laughs> I think that uh, now that we're invoking Donna in a frying pan, uh, I, we're probably out of uh, very substantive stuff to say. So uh, <laughs> why don't we start some? Why don't we start some final some final thoughts, Allison? All right. Well, uh, I didn't really like this episode. I was kind of disappointed. I do feel like it was better than the first two. I still feel like it it did some things better than the initial two episodes. I just don't think it was as strong as the third one. And I hope that, um, I mean, this show kind of jumps around a lot. Quantum Leap is a thing that jumps around from story to story and genre. So uh, I don't know if it's indicative of the rest of the stuff to come. I feel like it's just going to be a little uneven until they can figure out what exactly works. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think I enjoyed this more than Alison. I, I found it fun. I'm looking forward to watching it again. But it's uh, definitely didn't quite have the shine of episode three. And yeah, it's it's going to take a little while to settle in. It is still very early days. We're only on episode four. And this is an anthology type show. So it's it's going to it's going to take a little while to find its footing. I'm prepared to give it a chance. But uh, in the meantime, just just by itself, not comparing it to what's come before it. Yeah, I, th- I thought this was a lot of fun. I think that last week's episode showed us that they can do a straight quantum leap story very effectively. And I'm glad that we sort of have that proof of concept out of the way. Definitely. Yeah, as as I was saying up at the top of the show, I really think the show is now finding its own way to be its own version of Quantum Leap and telling different types of stories or telling a Quantum Leap story in a different way to incorporate a whole cast, to incorporate this, this whole new dynamic that they have. And for that, I was very intrigued by the way this episode was structured, the way this episode was written, the themes that were explored and how they all came together. I hope that as the show goes on, they're able to do more of this more effectively and tie it back into the leap plots uh, a little bit more seamlessly. So like you said, Alice, it's not two shows playing off of each other, but you know, two separate sides of the story that are really gelling and coming together. I feel like we're seeing the first steps towards that here and I'm very, very encouraged. So... Uh, I think that is going to put our discussion of a decent proposal in the books, but stay tuned because after the break, we will be bringing you our interview with Ernie Hudson. On the latest episode of Leaps Elsewhere. Today, we are so, so excited to be finally talking about the pilot episode of Gung Ho. This was uh, his second uh, project ever, wasn't it? In his first TV show, Scott Bakula? I think so. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's not good. Oh, my <laughs> God. Every emotion that you can name. Fear and loathing, humor and horror. You know it's always going to be a good show when it it ran for less than half a season. They can't even get any cars there. It's just a bunch of cardboard cars in the background on the line. (laughs) 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 To find out 
find out how to hear this and other Patreon exclusive shows, go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. That's patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. Okay, everyone, we're back. And as promised, here is our interview with Ernie Hudson. Ernie, welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Well, thank you. It's uh, great to be with you guys. I'm I, actually I'm very excited to be with you guys. Uh, we're really excited to have you. I mean, you have a career that speaks for itself. I think that Matt and I could honestly just sit here for the rest of the day and ask you about Ghostbusters, but you know, we'll, we'll keep it to Quantum well, Leap. Needless- <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always happy to talk yes. about it, so it's uh, it's all good. <laughs> Well, we were thrilled when uh, we heard that you had been cast as Magic. Can you tell us a little bit how you came to Quantum Leap? Yeah, you know, I um, years ago when the original show, um, I can't say I watched every episode, but my sons, I was a single dad, uh, my two older boys especially, I have four sons. Uh, we would watch the show and um, I found it a, a, a great show to be able to sort of have a discussion about things and you know the past or whatever and uh, so we always enjoyed it they're fans big fans of the show uh they were really excited when they found out that i was going to be a part of it but um i'm i work on another show uh called the family business that i executive produce and and star in so i was pretty busy but when they um approached me with uh, the idea of quantum leap which is exciting in and of itself um what was really exciting for me and is always exciting for me is um, they said they liked my work and they would like me to be a part of it. That's a huge thing for me because I don't audition. I hate begging for a job. So the fact that they <laughs> like me, you know, uh, like, uh, when I was a kid and, uh, you, you want to get the girl to like you. So the fact that they liked me, uh, meant a lot. And, uh, yeah, I was very, um, uh, appreciative of how they, uh, you know, brought the show to me and, um, just very, yeah, I'm very excited to be a part of it. So that's how I first heard. My agent said, "Yeah, they, you know, they love you." I had a discussion with the producers, and um, and it was on. That's really great. So um, you said that you were a fan of the original series. You watched it with your sons. Do you have um, any specific memories of the original that came back once you heard that you were going to be on the new show? Any favorite episodes or? Well, I think the the biggest thing that. Um, you know, that I sort of came away from the show with. I, I was a fan of Scott Bakula, a fan in the sense that I really, I loved his um, uh, his charisma. Um, you know, the two guys, um, there, was a, there was a charm that, that Scott brought to the show. That was a huge part of it. And uh, so when I think on the show, um, up until now, I sort of, that was all part of it. Um, Thinking back on the show, um, oddly enough, the uh, the episode that uh, my character um, now that I, I guess we can talk about it was a part of um, that kind of you know the idea of leaping into someone of a different not only background but a different race or different uh, that was uh, fascinating. But um, so I, I I can't say any real specific the relationship that. Um, um, Al had with his, um, his wife, that was sort of interesting, uh, just in terms of relationships and what do you take to hold on to when, uh, he's stuck in another 
country, another part of the world, and yet she's not sure. So all those kind of themes, those life themes were, were fat, and they come back to mind, but, um, so I'm not sure if I, <laughs> if I give you specific answers, but it's sort of a general feel of like so many shows I watch. I, um, I just, um, I've always had a warm, um, feeling, uh, about the show and what it uh, was attempting and what it did, um, especially during that time. And, um, you know, it's, uh, 30 years later and we're at a bit of a different time, but, um, uh, all those big overall ideas are uh, still important and still at play. I'm, I'm interested. You, you mentioned about the fact that, of course, you're playing what, what we think of as a legacy character. Magic was in an episode of the original series. But, um, of course, we never actually saw Magic as a character. We saw, we saw Sam Beckett pretending to be Magic. And we saw, effectively, what we understand of Magic is from how the other characters around him, how the, the other Navy SEALs, I'm just wondering, how did that feed into your preparation for the role? Because unlike the other characters around you or the other actors around you, you weren't being given a, a blank slate with a script. You yeah. were being given a legacy character, but yeah. not quite. But but not quite. I mean, first, I love the idea that um, it's a continuation and this guy is still around and still... But I've always been fascinated, um, and I don't think I ever got a chance to see in the original show what happens when this experience i mean the idea of being of leaping is one thing the idea of being leapt into that's a whole other thing how does your life obviously there's a huge change in the lives of the people that he's uh, leaping into but what does that leave you with i mean how do you make sense out of it and so once i uh, signed up to be a part of this my question is well what's happened to him since then obviously he's a career person but that had to be traumatizing in so many ways. I mean, just the idea of my own life disappearing for a couple of days and not having, not knowing what that was about and yet knowing something happened. Um, so that's, um, that to me is, and that impact, does that, you know, how do you deal with that? Do you, it, it, cause it can't be totally positive. I mean, um, Obviously, he has issues that came from that. Um, uh, and so how do I make this a person who had that experience and yet continued with his career, um, but was so impacted that he worked extremely hard to get this project up and running again uh, and finding out about it and understanding what happened, not only what happened, but who it was that it happened with. So all those things were... And there are no real definite answers. Some I can fill in the spaces, but um, that's sort of being uh, revealed to me um, as, as we sort of go along with the show. Hopefully we'll be around long enough to kind of uncover some of that. But I would think that um, it would, it, Magic went through some, some changes, and I think that has to reflect in the person that he is. But I also think that... Um, which is one of the things that was really important to me. It creates a certain empathy um, in, in terms of other people, in terms of his view on life. So the first approach was, okay, he's a, he's a military man, and so he's a tough guy, he's hard. And I go, yeah, but just even based on that experience, there has to be another level that I'm still trying to figure out where that extra gear is. But um, 
How does this, how did that impact everything moving forward? His relationships, obviously he's, um, um, has had issues with his family. He, you know, so, um, yeah, how do you make him a, a human being and not go, oh, he's a guy and I got programmed. And so he's really a solid, you know, happy guy and life sort of um, unfolded perfectly. Uh, I don't think life did for a while. And I think he still struggles with some of the after effect. Well, as we found out in episode four, in the original history, magic died. So that has to also affect how he approaches things and his lease on life. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the choices we make and, and the leaps seem to happen at a real crucial time in people's lives. And it alters everything and everyone that moves forward. Um, we assume they don't know that. They just know that life just carries on. But magic is one of the rare people who knows what would have happened otherwise. And that's, that's pretty heavy to think that my life would have ended and yet I got this second chance and yet here's a person responsible for that or here's a project that's responsible for that and I don't have access to it. I mean, I'd, I'd love to find this person and not only say thanks, but try to, even, even now I don't totally understand. But um, in putting things together to try to assemble the best minds possible, because it's so important that this that this work, um, in a way that uh, could be beneficial to the world, certainly has been beneficial to me. If I know nothing other than I would have died, uh, that's pretty mm -hmm. powerful. Yeah. Well, I mean, keeping on on that track, I mean. Magic being uh, the reason the new project exists, we learned in this episode. Um, now that um, we're all familiar with the characters and the show's dynamic, do you think that we're going to get to see any of that backstory of how Magic brought the project to life, how he brought the team together? Yeah. Or Well, you know? I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, no, I no. think that's really important to me. And that's yes, why I wanted to do the show. Uh, I'm assuming that will be a large part of it. I mean, I don't certainly is not looking for a character that I can sort of sit in an office and bark a few orders and disappear. Um, <laughs> so I want to know more. I want to, you know, this is uh, his world, his life. Um, you know, we do shows where uh, we focus on certain people, but as far as my character is concerned, um, it's his life and, um, and it's important that we sort of get to know him and see where he is in the middle of all of this. And I think those are things that will unfold, not just with me, but I think all the characters, you know, um, um, they're all interesting, but who are they? And, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Um, and that's one of the fascinating aspects of this show is we get to see the leaps and we get to see. Um, a, you know, um, a look at a nostalgic look at history <laughs> and what was happening at the time and what happens to these people. But also we get to see right now, current time, what is happening? Who are these people who are sacrificing or doing everything, everything they can to make it happen? So that is to me just as important as everything else is happening in the show. I'm 
going to just switch tracks a little bit here because um, there's starting to be quite a clear picture coming together in the series that Magic is sort of the, the level-headed character that, that brings everyone down to earth when the, the, kind of the, the rest of the team are maybe going off at a tangent. Um, I'm interested in, does that reflect at all in the way the cast are interacting? What's the relationship like behind the scenes? Well, I, you know, it was... I met these guys, and I didn't know, to be honest, I didn't know any of them. I might have seen Raymond in something, but um, had nothing that I could put my finger on and say, you know. Uh, and so once I was invited to join the team, uh, the first question I had, and who am I on the team with? But I got to say, when I, we had a, a little time in um, in Vancouver where we shot the pilot, to sort of hang out and get to know each other. I love these guys. They're really uh, one of the most, not, yeah, fun cast, certainly most talented uh, or as, as talented as anybody I've ever worked with. But, um, and there's a charm, like I had mentioned earlier, my, one of my loves for the original show was Scott Bakula and his just natural sort of um, ease. But Raymond Lee, uh, when I met him and got to know him, I knew that the show is going to be fine because there is um, an accessibility. There's um, a, 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 it, he's, he's not like we're not trying to do um, Sam Beckett and the the, uh, the original Quantum Leap again, but he has his own. And I knew that uh, we're going to be fine. He's the center of it, the center of the leaps. Um, Caitlin Bassett, all the guys are just um, and I think there's a bond. Um, they were all, uh, you know, Ghostbuster fans <laughs> and Crow fans. <laughs> and so it took a minute to kind of go, you know, I'm just Ernie. I'm not uh, Winston Zeddemore or whatever. But um, <laughs> so it, it, I think it put me in a position of being, um, you know, the sort of senior guy who's trying to do everything you can to get the show running, which is, I guess, is what we're doing on the show. I think the relationship, a parental relationship, um, and uh, it's it sort of it's sort of there naturally. And um, uh, when we're not working, we, we, we're all talking and, and spending time together. It's, it's a great relationship. Um, and I think that carries uh, through in the show. Uh, Magic's um, as hard as he wants to be, he still really loves these people. I feel that same way about the cast. I mean, I, I want to see them succeed as much as myself. I mean, I, I'm just, um, I'm so excited for all of them and, and what will come out of this, but they're really a just, uh, there's, um, I think there's a bond, there's a love that we had time, um, to spend together, um, to build and, um, yeah, I, I, I love that. I'm so appreciative of um, sometimes I, I, I'd like to think that, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just like all the other guys, like all the kids. Hey, guys. And then I realized, no, um, I'm, I'm a little bit older, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, we're just kind of starting out. No, I've done a couple of things you know, <laughs> in a few years. And, uh, and I don't want to be anybody's dad, but I really care about you. And, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that. Or maybe now. So I, I get into that kind of dad role, maybe even grandpa role. I don't know. Cause, uh, you know, but, um, but it's a, it's a great relationship and, and hopefully that will, uh, continue and 
um, but they're all and they're all really wanting to be there and bringing their best. I, I do a lot of I've worked a lot and that's not always the case. And um, and so I find myself in the position of trying to get people just to show up on time. And this is not this situation. These are everyone's really excited about it. Did they uh, actually explain Real Housewives to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, not uh, not really. I think it was some attempt to. I'm like, I, there's some things I go, I'm, I'm not going to get it. I, 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 there's certain things just not going to happen. Um, and, you know, we uh, it was a period where everybody, not everybody, but a couple of people bought cars. I had bought a car recently and they were trying to explain to me my car. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I will never, I, I love the car, but I don't know how to do anything. So it's not going to happen. You can spend all day explaining it, but I'm just, if I can just do the cruise control and the seat adjustment, I'm fine. Um, so, um, so in some of the shows um, that, um, you know, we will talk about some of it, I go, you know, I'm not going to be watching it. Um, so, but that that's in life. My son uh, was really excited about a show. He called me about last night, and I and I watched an hour of it. And I looked at my wife and I said, "Is you are you getting this? Because it's not making sense. <laughs> we don't have to go through the rest. We've suffered enough." Uh, anyway, that's um, yeah. Well, but the important part of being older is knowing what you like and what you don't like, and being okay with that. You know. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's nice that, uh, the chemistry that you guys share behind, uh, you know, behind the scenes yeah. really comes out, uh, in the show and it's coming out more and more as we settle into the characters and who they are. And as you said, it's not just where you're setting up as magic barking orders, because one of my favorite scenes is when you said, I'm sorry, you feel that way, but I'm not asking. Uh, that was one of your yeah. lines. And I thought magic was going to be more of a hard ass, but then we go one episode later and they're more working in lockstep. And he's like, okay, I have to lie to the Pentagon, but what kind of lie do I need to <laughs> <Yeah>. tell? <You> <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can tell that everybody's sort of, you know, on each other's side. Yeah. now, And it's nice to see that dynamic build um on screen right. um as i guess as well as it's been building off screen yeah and i think that's um because i think in the beginning we weren't uh, i don't think the producers we weren't quite sure but what i knew is i don't want him to lose his humanity i mean he's there for a reason and it's not just a job so i think that has to come through but on the other hand he also has to be able to like you know if we're going to take the parent role or whatever he has to be able to say no this has to be done um, but knowing when to do that, when to be hard. And that's, to me, that's really, um, um, really important because he's trying to figure it out too. Um, and as much as you want to go, you know, magic's not in a situation where he can go, I know everything and you do your job and you, because they're having, having to explain exactly what, what are we doing here now? Because, you know, I can keep up. I understand certain things, but I really need you because there are places I can't go. So it's a little hard to be really, you know, just, it's not just a job. It's, you have to care about these people and you have to show them that I need you here. You know, um, I can't just bring anybody in here to do what you do. But, um, but you got to realize that this is important. And, um, and I think if we take the show, you know, really realistic and look at this possibility of leaping or 
everything that's going on. I think you have to. We're stepping into people's lives. So this is it's not just fun, even though I will say <laughs> one of the things that's important for me is that magic does have a sense of humor. So uh, as we move along, I'd like to see that uh, from time to time, you know. I don't want to be in, I don't want to be cracking jokes every episode, but from time to time, <laughs> I think uh, a little humor would be would be nice. Uh, one of the things uh, about uh, that I think is kind of cool, you joining the new show, is that you got to reunite with Deborah Pratt. Yeah, because you did a movie with her back in the day. I did. I, in fact, uh, one of the first shows I did when I came out to L.A breaking into the industry uh, don belisario and i think it might have been don's first um i, I don't want to say for sure but i think it might have been one of the first shows that he directed it was black sheep squadron with robert conrad mm -hmm. and um he cast me as a pacific island native guy with a grass skirt um and um and peter frampton was on the show um who played an officer and I was one of the local natives who was helping him to defeat the uh, whatever. Anyway, that was kind of the storyline. <laughs> Shirley Ralph, who I think just won an Emmy, she played my daughter. And um, uh, so that's when I first met Don, just before I, I worked with Deborah. But uh, on that episode, um, I had uh, worked on a TV movie and I broke my leg, which was the strangest thing i was working on a movie with robert conrad uh no with um uh, larry hagman and robert cole and on that uh called uh, last of the good guys i think anyway i can't remember oh, anyway so i broke my leg and i was in the cast and i'd just taken the cast off when i got when don uh cast me in this thing so my leg was half the size of the other leg and uh <laughs> i had to carry shirley ralph who's an adult down this mountain to get away from the <laughs> the enemies coming and but anyway that's why I'm, that's why I met uh, Don Belisario and then uh, before he and uh, Deborah actually married but we did um, um, uh, what's it um, uh, space hunter <laughs> space hunter you know space people hunter. say oh you look so young I go yeah but I just my mind is. <laughs> So we did Space Hunter and, uh, and and got to work and, and became friends with Deborah and uh, I just love her um, and uh, so it's great to be able to come. We never we haven't worked together since, but I just um, I think she's really creative and just a really really wonderful person and um, so yeah, I'm really excited that she's very much involved in in this um, this show. I know she was very much so in the original. So uh, she and Don, and so that's also very one of the nice things for me to be a part and to be able to uh, come together with them again after all these years. We really got sort of a bombshell in this episode because um, if, if we can go back to Magic's revelation to Ian in in that scene, it's the first time as fans we've ever seen on screen a leapy discuss his leap experience yeah. and the way the way you guys played it is that magic just 
basically blacked out for a couple of days. Right. But you're saying that there are other aspects of the character, like other parts of his life, maybe it didn't go so well after the leap. And he, you know, he, he kind of remembered Sam, but are we going to get to see um, or hear any more specifics about that experience as the show goes forward that you know of? Well, I think I look at it this way. Uh, I hope so. And a lot of it, of course, is, you know, I'm not in the writing room even though I should be, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not in the writing room. But I think everything that happens with magic from this, and he talked a little bit about it. It was, I think in that, if I remember, um, it was like a door, someone nudging against the mm -hmm. door and I opened the door. So there's an awareness of something and it's really kind of, you know, it's, it's traumatic in a very, very strange way. The relationship, he, he's, I think he struggles with the relationship. He's not married anymore. Um, I know he's a bit estranged from his, his daughter. He talks about his daughter. Um, that is not, uh, it's, it's wonderful to be, to feel like a, a father figure to these people I'm working with. He understands work, but relationships. And I think a lot of that goes back to trying to make sense out of this, this moment, this life-altering moment. Um, I think it might've, um, had some issues maybe, uh, with drinking, whatever. And I don't want to say what that will be. I, I don't know that for sure. Like I said, that'll be a discussion with the writers and hopefully with me and the writers, but, uh, definitely, um, it is not something that he's just made peace with and he's resolved with. I think getting this program up is a way for him to get some answers about his own life. And, um, um, he, he was named magic before uh, that leap happened. So he's an intuitive guy. You know, I think he's very spiritual in his own way. He believes in other possibilities. So I think that's still there, but it makes it even more. He's not just a practical guy. This happened and I can forget about that. This is where does that go? How does that tie me into how's my life if my life continues where am i at in the universe how do i all those things um and uh and certainly relationships because no matter what happened to you it didn't happen to the person you're married to and they may not understand or be willing to know why you're taking all of our resources to get some program up and running so i know that his relationships have been strained uh and um yeah, and so he's still making sense of it, and I hope that we get a chance to see that uh, as the show go along. I think even an explanation in episode four, you know, it was like, yeah, this happened, and he, he seems like he's okay with it, but I think there are other things that he can't explain um, that still is impacting his life. Yeah, it's just so much good stuff to mine there, especially as longtime fans. It's an aspect of the show that we never really got to see. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate the fact that when you discuss it, you realize sort of like the moment that we're at, sort of the, the depth that, 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 that involves, because it, it really is a big, a big deal for us as fans. Yeah, and, I, and certainly it is for him. I think one of the things, there are a lot of, I guess they call them Easter eggs, uh, whatever, but there are a lot of things, connections to the original series. Um, Al's. Uh, wife um, and his daughter being involved and in my relationship with her. I, I felt a connection with her. And uh, obviously, you know, I'm a, I've got to know the family and a very person. So all those things and 
the earlier episodes. So for the original fans who knew the episodes, because they, you know, it's kind of hard for me to be specific, but there are people who are, and to be able to see some of those connections, hopefully with some other people who were, you know, part of the leap experience, um, that is something that hopefully we'll see unfold um, as we, we, you know, as we move forward. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing that. And I also hope that they can explore a little bit more about how Magic actually went out and found Beth and Al. Because yeah. it's not necessarily a relationship that was pre-existing. Exactly. He, he had to go find them. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think in search for those answers, um, I think Beth in the, uh, the, the second episode, first episode, I'm not quite sure, but saying, you know, I know how difficult it is to have to go through this without having anyone. So, you know you know he um this is really really important to him taking the paternal role with the uh the workers is helpful for him because it gives him meaning and purpose but in his personal life in his real life um i think that's a, an area of difficulty uh for him um yeah so uh, and the, but I think as we uh, when we begin to see the connection to other episodes and other you know from the original pop up, um, possibly that would be I, I'd be very interested and in see how those things unfold. We're we're all really interested. In that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I said I was going to be a little bit of a of a fan geek here today. So bear with me. Yeah. Well, we know that um, your time is limited. You've been very generous. Are there any aspects of the character magic that we haven't touched upon that you'd like to discuss, or elements in the sh of the show in general? Uh, yeah. No, I'm just very excited about um, how it's unfolding. You know that artificial intelligence. We haven't really got to experience Ziggy. We We've experienced it, but we haven't got to explain clearly sort of what that is. And, uh, and yeah, and so how does, as, as I begin to get clear on it, and obviously, hopefully, as I do, the fans, because I'm not privy to a lot of, you know, what they're thinking. I'm, I'm, we've had discussions, but every script is a new experience for me, too. So uh, I'm really excited about the possibilities and um, how it all fits into um, you know, I, I, every night I say a prayer for Raymond Lee because he's carrying the heavy load, but uh, and he's working really hard. But uh, I, yeah, it, it's really uh, it's just very exciting. And uh, but I know that um, there's a lot of uh, respect uh, and, and commitment to um, to get it right, to not leave the other series behind, but a continuation of and to be respectful to the fans who've been so loyal over so many years. Um, and that, uh, that means a lot to me. Uh, well, it means a lot to us. And on behalf of all of those fans, we'd like to thank you. And uh, thank you for joining us here on the Quantum Leap Podcast. Wait, no, no Ghostbuster questions? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, <laughs> now we two hours. So, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> is there something that especially makes you feel good? <laughs> I don't know. It's Chris. something strange. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Anyway, it's, uh, I just love and appreciate you guys for the fact that you love the show. It means, means so much to me. And, 
And, uh, and I just, uh, I just want to honor that and show up and, uh, and bring my best and, and just thank you for being who you are. So it was everything we promised and then some, wasn't it listeners? You're welcome. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> that was amazing. That, that was just be, being able to watch, watch an episode that had such a, a fantastic scene from magic and i mean he's he's been good since the start and we also know ernie has a a long and respectable career behind him but being able to watch that scene and then speak to him so soon afterwards um i i got a little emotional during that interview i hope it didn't show um it was yeah that was a special moment i got got a little squee squee fanboy during that interview and i don't i don't care who knows (laughs) yeah (laughs) he put such thought into the character and the backstory um more than uh we've seen and um more than i think it's been written i think he was you know he was talking about wanting to like talk with the writers about this kind of stuff and incorporate it in there and it's it's great it's a a sign of a great actor that they really think about this kind of stuff we got that with uh susan diol as well she had like a lot of ideas about what this character would have been thinking and feeling in between so uh yeah just a really thoughtful interview uh really genuine and uh it was really cool to be able to chat about this stuff yeah very 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 uh high mark in my life it's funny because uh i was uh god about 10 minutes before we were supposed to talk to ernie i got onto the call and i call up the 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 platform where we do all the interviews and the first face I see is Ernie Hudson's and I'm like, Oh shit, I'm late. Oh wait, no, he's early. I was yeah. just like, <laughs> but from that moment on, I just had like sort of that <gasps> moment, and I feel Aww. like it didn't go away until he told the Ghostbusters joke at the end of the interview. <laughs> oh yeah. He, he had a good sense of humor about stuff. Everyone's had a good sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, gen- genuine pleasure, genuine delight. Thank you so much, Ernie, again for coming on the show. We can't wait to have you back. Yeah. Can we call? Can you? We call you uh, our friend Ernie Hudson. <laughs> I, I think we can. I'm. I'm getting the You're t-shirts like made up as Ernie we speak. <laughs> Everyone's think, our best friend. No, I, think, <laughs> I think Ernie's our friend. Caitlin's our best friend. I think oh, okay. Ernie. I think, yeah. BFF. I feel. We can I feel have scared more to call more than Ernie one my BFF. We have a circle of BFFs. <laughs> circle Absolutely. of BFFs. Raymond's in our BFFs, right? Yeah. yeah, they're all our BFFs. We're basically yeah. best friends. Right? I want yeah. Raymond to sing at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to sing the reason as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I want Ernie to dance at my wedding. <laughs> you, you can get um, Ernie Hudson to also sing Hooba Stank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so we have big, big plans for the future of the Quantum Leap podcast, everyone. Don't you worry. We're, yeah, we're going to make all this happen. Maybe we'll do a, a whole group, a whole group call when uh the season is over and we'll oh get uh, we'll Just do like a, a we'll do a variety a variety show <laughs> yeah wow. everybody's oh gonna be wearing funny hats It'd you'll be love great it. if we got we got everyone together but we did not discuss any of the quantum leap stuff like it would just be like yeah let's sing some hoobastank <laughs> let's uh, get some party streamers we'll play right. some jackbox it'd be great <laughs> it'd be great we'll reenact scenes from ghostbusters 2 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so funny yeah no. <laughs> Ah, so, so yeah, Nanrissa is the last domino to fall. We shall get Nanrissa if my life depends on it. But um, it's because of listener support that we're able to keep this podcast going with hopes of getting Nanrissa Lee. Guys, I have a new patron to announce. Everybody give it up for Mr. Michael Gleason. Woo, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. 
Thank you for supporting us, Michael. Michael is supporting us at the $2 observer level, which means he gets a shout out on the show. Here it is, Michael. I believe uh, Michael Gleason uh, is someone that I know from um, Twitter and comments and YouTube ah. and all this stuff. I think uh, his YouTube channel is Black Scarab Film, something like that. I'm sorry if I got it wrong, Michael. <laughs> but yeah, oh. he's a huge Quantum Leap fan. I've uh, oh. seen him around a while. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's great. And I'm so glad that uh, he decided to support us. At that $2 level, he also gets access to our monthly newsletter, which I'm sorry, guys, I've been late on it this month. I think I might be doing a video version of it because it just seems easier than writing a whole newsletter uh, on the first of every month. So uh, take a look for that. But any videos that I put up, uh, you will have access to, Michael, as well as the shout out on the show. So thank you very much for supporting us. Thanks to all of our patrons who help make this show possible. Uh, we also got some feedback and I, I wanted to keep it a little light this week because I know that we're, we're going along with the interviews and stuff, but we got a nice smattering of Facebook comments that I wanted to relay because they were all in reaction to somebody up there likes Ben. And it seems like we weren't the only ones that were bowled over by the episode. Mm. So I'll read the first one. Corey Lynn Cornell says, okay, episode three finally got me on board. Uh, I think I heard that resounding throughout the entire nation. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, was, that was me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Cynthia Hughes writes, it just gets better each episode. The characters are showing good chemistry. Loving it. Loving it. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Yeah. She's loving it. <laughs> and Amada Anderson says, so good. We were in tears. So were we. Tears. So were we. And Very I gotta be honest episode. with you. I know before I was being all cool and I said I welled up, but I was openly weeping uh, the third time I saw Magic Tell a Story to Ian, and I was openly mm -hmm. weeping when um, <laughs> when Ben and Addison had their revelation at the end. Aww. I was watching it very early yeah. this morning, so I might have been still tired from sleep and you know emotionally Don't tired. It. Yeah, it's maybe fun. no, or maybe I'm just a giant quantum leap nerd, and it hit me in all the feels. So, Aww. yeah, so so good. I was in tears too. Thank you, Amada. Uh, we also got another email. This one's more for Matt. I'm going to read it to you, Matt. It's from our patron, Tom Quinn. He's also a producer. Uh, you know him better as Cosplay Dad. Uh, Tom writes, All right, Matt, I know you've got this all written down with all the back and forth between Ben and Addison about Addison, quote, sneaking up on Ben. All that reminded me of an episode of the original series where Sam asked Al to, quote, fade in. And Al responded with something along the lines of, you tell me how to fade in a neurological hologram, dot, 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 dot. And it got me thinking this would be a good way to integrate the imaging chamber door sound. Yeah, I love that observation. And that um, that, that line uh, that Tom's talking about is from Genesis, from the pilot. And it's something that I've, I've been quite conscious of, uh, the the last couple of episodes that in the first season of the original series, they had this wonderful way of introducing Al by just having Dean Stockwell standing off camera and the camera pans round and there he is. Like he's always there and it's kind of spooky slash reassuring. No doorway with the exception of the, the couple of times when he exits through a doorway, which we get in um, Starcrossed and Tess and uh, the the pilot, but for the most part, no entrances. He's just there, and I I love how they've mostly been doing that that with this. I don't think they need an imaging chamber door. Just the appearance is is lovely. But yeah, I mean, there's some there's some good stuff there and some some good options for the producers to lean into in future. I think they should bring back the sparkles from another mother. Yes, <laughs> like bling. 
He pops in, like, have Addison do that, like, little fairy dust. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Come on, bring it back. Or you're cowards. You're cowards if you don't. (laughs) I kind of like the way that the series is forging its own identity in that regard. I don't think we're going to get an imaging chamber door because I think you have Addison has to walk into the middle of that that big room and position herself, and then they bring the hologram yeah, up around her. Yeah, it's not her. set up the same way. Right. Yeah. So the the fact that when she does pop in on Ben, she sort of pops in from top to bottom. She's, she's almost acting as the door opening, yeah. weirdly, right? I mean, that's kind of a weird analogy to make, but it, the way that she comes up is very distinctive for this version of Project Quantum Leap, and I kind of like that. I, I don't know that we need an imaging chamber door per se. Right. Again, when they go back to the old project in New Mexico for some wacky reason we will get that imaging chamber door one day uh in the new show but uh for this i I like the fact that they're doing it their own way because it's a different project so why do you need a door and if you want to tell us why they need a door there are many ways so if you out there would like to be like Tom Quinn or Amada Anderson or Cynthia Hughes or Corey Lynn Cornell, there are many ways to reach us here at the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can send us a letter at P.O. Box 542, Bayport, New York, 11705. You can call us on the phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at, and you can also comment on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thequantumleappodcast. And you can always go that extra mile like Michael Gleason and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. Just remember, we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And speaking of up next, uh, we are done here on our show, but you can hop right over to that YouTube channel that I was talking about for the Quantum Leap After Show with Albie. Uh, They will be discussing A Decent Proposal. And uh, I believe his guest hosts are Hayden McQueenie, as usual, and Mr. John Irons. John Irons appeared on the Quantum Leap Podcast once before, guys. Do you remember who John is? Oh, yeah. He he was on the um, the read-through. Yes, he played. Uh, he, played <laughs> he played a the, couple the of different kid. roles. Yeah. yeah, he played Billy. Suckers, are you playing Suckers. Billy? Billy! <laughs> if you guys out there, new listeners, don't know what I'm talking about, scroll back in your feed, and you'll find a leap day special where we did a table read of a script that I wrote in college of a quantum leap episode, and we had <laughs> a, a, a cast of rotating characters, and uh, John played a couple of them on that. He was really funny in that, and I knew he would be a good fit for the after show with Albie so I put them in touch and uh, Albie loved them so go over there watch that that's youtube.com slash the quantum leap podcast while there you will see the video version of the interview that we did with Ernie as well as a couple of other interviews Matt you've been so busy yes I've been talking to everyone I can Um, (laughs) I've been really getting to grips with uh, the interviewing and uh, yeah, just anyone I can get hold of. So uh, yeah, I've also spoken to Tyson Turow, who played the sleazy club guy Stuart, and uh, the, <laughs> the delightful Anastasia Antonia, who played Eva, uh, the the mirror image. And Albie also did his own interview with a stuntman who appeared in this episode. His name is Steve Bralver. So go and check that out as well. I, know I believe Albie he's been in more time. than one episode, also. Right. He was in this episode for sure, though. I think he's the one that that falls down into the dumpster. Yes, he was. Uh, I'm just saying, I think he's been a recurring stuntman on the show. 
Yeah, and uh, you can also see him, I believe Albie has pointed him out to us in the pilot when they're in the pawn shop getting the yeah. fake Hope, Hope Diamonds. He's one of the background thugs. So, yeah, really, really cool stuff. So uh, a lot of fun over there on the YouTube channel, on the after show. Go watch, support them over there. They're doing great, great stuff. There's going to be new episodes of Bleeps and Bloops, which is sort of our ups and downs uh, that review the episodes. Albie's doing a good job with those. We've had a little bit of a delay on some of that stuff because, you know, Hurricane Ian. <laughs> yeah. Albie <laughs> yeah. was uh, out of commission for a little bit because uh, power's just completely out where he's at. So, yeah. Um, yeah, everyone else had to try and, you know, uh, do some editing, get stuff together. But things like um, bleeps and bloops and the after show and all the stuff that Albie's been in and handling himself, uh, you know, he, he couldn't do at the moment. So playing catch up there. Yeah, so uh, so go over and see that. Um, I believe there's an after show for uh, somebody up there likes Ben as well that you can see when you're done with the after show for A Decent Proposal. So the content's there, guys. Uh, it's just waiting to be enjoyed. And uh, speaking of waiting to be enjoyed, I was really <laughs> psyched to see Quantum Leap's first genuine period piece that didn't have to bend over backwards to justify the fact that they want to do a cowboy episode. <laughs> oh, how exciting! Salvation or bust. You just got here, and now you want to leave? Put the suitcases down! Did you even read the letter that I wrote you? You know, Papa warned me about you. He said you were selfish and cold. I didn't believe him. I remember you from when I was little. You were my abuelo, and I was your pequeñita Valentina. I could see in your eyes how much you cared for me. Maybe I was wrong. That's, um, can we just start again as I'm getting older? It's just- Papa built this town for all of us. He was your son. And this is how you choose to honor his memory? You're, you're upset. I get it. But maybe we can start from the beginning. We, Ben is transported back to 1898 and the rustic frontier town of Salvation, where he must take on a deadly outlaw. Magic, Jen and Ian face a new threat when a curious senator shows up at headquarters asking questions about the Quantum Leap program. Ooh. I'll tell you one thing. Somebody in this episode better fall face first into a cow pie, <laughs> or what are we even doing? <laughs> I'm more intrigued with, well, number one, the first, like, really, really far back leap since the Civil <laughs> yeah. War. I mean, that, I'm excited I, about Cowboys, yeah. yeah. I like, a I like true Cowboys. Western episode, yeah. Uh, I really wanted this one to be called Cowboys and Holograms, but uh, I guess <laughs> I guess the title they came up with is just fine. But uh, I'm really intrigued by the whole Senator thing. Now, I might be conflating this with Carol Davis's Mirror's Edge book, but doesn't Tom <laughs> Beckett show up in that book as a Senator? Yes. Do you, do you oh, think they he? might have swiped oh. that from Carol? I'm just so intrigued. That, who's the uh, senator? Is it I Weitzman don't think Jr.? They have, although it would be pretty cool if it was. Uh, yeah, Weitzman Jr. I wonder if there will be any connection to Weitzman or McBride or any of the other uh, characters. Yeah. I feel like if it isn't them specifically, it might be someone with a similar name. I feel like they'll throw something like that in there. Yeah, so I I just think it's another neat opportunity to tie in uh, with some of the legacy stuff. So I'm looking forward yeah, to see what they cool. do with it. Yeah, so um, until that time, I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Allison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you next time, partners.
Yeah. Rootin' tootin'. There's a snake in my boot. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Mike Covert, Joshua Burwald, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a barren space production. Let's 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 cue the beat. <laughs> To get leaping, leaping makes me feel good. He ain't afraid of ghosts. But up, 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 she's loving it. Get leaping, we're gonna be nobody's gangster fool. Speak for yourself. But up, 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 she's loving it. Get leaping, leaping makes me feel good. He ain't afraid of ghosts. That's like music Albie's using now, right? Get leaping. We're going to be nobody's gangster fool. Speak for yourself. And room tone. No, it's got to be the ABC rap. ABC rap all the way. She's loving it. Get leaping. Leaping makes me feel good. He ain't afraid no ghosts. That's the music Albie's using now, right? Get leaping. We're going to be nobody's gangster. Speak for yourself. ABC rap all the way. Get leaping. Leaping makes me feel good. He ain't afraid no ghosts. That's the music Albie's using now, right? Get leaping. We're going to be nobody's gangster fool. Speak for yourself. She's loving it. He ain't afraid no ghosts. Well, you know, if enough of us sing at the beginning, then um, Albie can do like a mix, like a little remix of all of us. <laughs>